It's not often you get to stand in a Chelsea Flower Show medal-winning garden, but we've come to Chomsford Ambulance Station, the unlikely destination for such a garden, and it's been donated by a local landscaping and garden design company, Cube 1994 Limited, and the theme of the garden is 60 degrees east where continents meet and I'm joined by the managing director of Cube 1994 Limited, Sean Butler. And Sean, why did you decide to donate such a fabulous gift to the local ambulance service? Um, well it all stems from the ambulance service that they offered to the times when my mother was ill. Um, she was ill for a short period of time before her sad passing and um, they've had to do multiple visits to her house, um, basically sort of rescue her get her to the hospital, make her well again, and then get her back off home where she wanted to be. And because of the care that she was given in the hard times of COVID, um, I decided that in memory to my mother, because uh, gardens were her thing, and she really absolutely loved her own little space, that I would do it in honor of her. And then as a thank you to the ambulance and basically NHS for everything that they'd done for my mother. Well, that's lovely, and it's a beautiful gift. And this was from 2021 at the Chelsea Flower Show. So just tell us about the theme. What, what was the idea? I can see cloud-pruned pines. Does that give us a bit of a flavour of the sort of garden design that you were going for? Uh, yes, it does, because these are typically plants that you would see in the Ural Mountains and in the um, more uh, city regions of the place. So it's a combination of both plants that you would see in Asia and also Europe and it's a fusion of the two. Uh, they would typically grow in most climates across those two continents and we've carefully selected plants that will thrive in very low temperatures and also in quite arid conditions and sometimes um, but equally in as wet and what you get in the typical English grey as it is today, country skies. And you've got some beautiful big stones, I mean you must have spent a fortune on, on rock. You brought that over from from the, um, Russia, didn't you? Yes, exactly. Uh, it's a mica quartzite stone. It's incredibly hard. It's typical of the Ural mountain range. Um, my my uh, client was very, very focused on the fact that it had to be true to where she came from, the Ekaterinburg region. And um, we tried. To, we actually went to Southern Ireland to a quarry which sources exactly the same geology, but it was just slightly off. And you'd have to be a geologist to actually notice the difference between the two rocks. Um, it's just a slight difference in the sparkle of the quartzite within the stone. Um, but my client wanted it from the Ural region, so we ended up shipping 65 tons of it from there. It's all hand selected, and then we mopped it up in Russia. Um, as a working water feature just to make sure that the strata and everything um, would work because for Chelsea um, the large stones were so huge and we had to use a 250 ton crane to lift them into position and some of them took us up to like five and a half hours just to position one rock just to get the angle and the exact position that we wanted there and the actual main waterfall was seven and a half ton and nine ton pieces of stone and then everything else was smaller than that. And just in front of us, if we take a little stroll around here, we're actually looking at the pond, the lake, and the waterfall that you're just talking about there. And it took you three weeks, didn't it, to set up this garden at Chelsea in 2021? Yes, it did. We get given 20 days. Um, that's from the time you arrive on Chelsea until the actual judging. 
and then you get exactly five days to dismantle it. So it's 20 days in the building and construction of it and then five days to dismantle it. But here, because the plot is much larger, uh, we had to adapt it to suit this plot, which is very flat, whereas at Chelsea Flower Show it was on the rock bank, which is right next to the BBC. And the style of garden that we had got for there was very prominent in the sloping aspect of the Chelsea Flower Show, so it, it suited it perfectly there. But for here, we've had to spread it out over a, a plot that's probably at least three times the size and turning to some of the planting suggestions, I can see rowan trees, mountain ash trees. There's, there's quite a lot here for autumn, isn't there? Yes, we have. We've got um, acers and we've got acer compestry, which is the backdrop hedging here. And we've got very lovely uh, evergreen plants like the pinus mugo, the cushion pines. Um, they punctuate the perennial planting right the way throughout the garden. And then we've got ageratums, geums, sedums, grasses, uh, salvias. Um, we've even got some of the hydrangeas from the garden, which is a uh, hydrangea skyfall and hydrangea pinky winky. And the two that you can see over there are actually in memory of my mother because uh, they were her, one of her favorite plants. And I think the purple plants as well were special, weren't they? Can you tell us what they are? Yeah, they're called salvia longifolium. Um, they're longer lasting uh, of the salvia families. And as you can see, they're still in flower now. Uh, would have been flower right the way through from June. Um, we've clipped them hard to make them create like a double flush and then fed them. Uh, and you've got little punctuations of other colour with hookra. Turning to your company, Cube 1994, you, you obviously set it up in 1994. Tell us about how the company started. Uh, I set it up in 1994, in April, in fact, 1994. Um, sadly for me, I had a tragic moment in my life. Uh, in September 13th, 1993, my wife... Uh, died and because of that I had two young children seven and two years old at the time I was working in construction industry and so my background is in civil engineering and my passion has always been for plants and gardens and at that time I was the youngest member of, of Chelmsford Future Society at St John Payne School and uh, so when she died I thought well what can I do I need to choose my own destiny in my own direction um, and because of my passion for plants and my background in engineering I thought right I'll set up my own landscape company. I was, was given a job by my mother to help me sort of work between the school run times and everything because I was a single parent and it seems quite crazy but I had to work for about eight weeks to save up £30 uh, just to put an advert in the local Essex Chronicle at that time a little three by one as they called it then and my very first client um, she came to me, a local lady in Broomfield, and she had also lost her husband. Um, but she wanted to do a very nice garden in memory of her husband at that time. And it was uh, for the sum of £5,000, which to me then was just astronomical. I couldn't believe somebody was spending £5,000 on their garden. But anyway, we created a lovely design, we'd landscaped the garden, and basically I've never looked back since. And now we're nearly 30 years on, aren't we? Exactly, it's 30 years. We are probably one of the longest established landscape companies in the southeast. Um, also, the largest private landscape design and build company in the southeast. We're true design and build from the fact that we are all in house design and build, whereas a lot of other companies may profess to design but they get a contractor in, or they are a contractor and they get a designer in. Um, we're also members of the Society of Garden Designers. Um, we're a practice member, but also I'm a member in my own right of fully um, 
registered member which had to go through the, the then process of uh, producing multiple designs with a big portfolio of work to go through the very rigorous um, um, joining process but it's important isn't it to join professional trade bodies like the society of garden designers because it, it provides reassurance for clients who come to you that you meet certain standards and you've done certain professional training doesn't it yes it does it's um, a quality that um, for me it's really important because the society of garden designers they've been going now for over 40 years the membership is very small um, I wouldn't say it's niche but it is small because they are very particular about the quality of the member that joins it it's not easy to join um, you have to go through this very rigorous process and to prove your knowledge and your worth as a designer and then once you've gone through that whole process you can proudly say that you're a member of the uh, Society of Garden Designers and likewise similarly for landscape contractors there is Bali and the APL and uh, we are a member of Bali, which is the first association that was set up for professional contractors, British Association of Landscape Industries. And again, they've got a very rigorous process. They don't only uh, come and check your workmanship on site, and they pick 10 random clients to do that, but they also go and speak to clients, and they'll go and see what your back office operations like, your health and safety, your paperwork trail, customer care, aftercare, and all those things. And if you get through that process, then you can become a member of the Bali Association. So for the public, it's quite discerning to choose who is a good landscape contractor or a good designer. And I would thoroughly recommend that if anyone is thinking about getting their garden designed and landscape, they should only choose contractors or designers from those two associations because you know they've been very well vetted. And you went on to be chair of the Society of Garden Designers, didn't uh, you? No, in fact, I was vice chair. Vice chair, okay. Yeah, so I, was vi I sat on the board for nearly five years. You're only supposed to do three, but I did an extended period. Um, I was vice chair when Juliet um, was actually the chair of the society then. And so I was her vice for three years, which um, we helped move the society on well in, those, in that period of time. And then along came uh, Pippa, who took over from Juliet and subsequently... Uh, several other chairs since then. So trends in garden design, in terms of the gardens that you work on, the luxury kind of gardens at that end of the market, would you say people are going more for kind of outside room designs now rather than looking for ornamental beds and things? How, how would you describe the work that you're doing currently? Uh, well, I'd say for our particular clientele who come to us, they, are, they know that we're a company that cares about our environment. We're also a, a company that creates biodiverse gardens um, but they are also gardens that fit around people's modern day lifestyles um, if you speak to our type of clients they're all very busy people as I'm sure mostly everybody is these days and uh, the little time that you do have is quite precious and you want to come home and enjoy that lovely outdoor green space and therefore you want the garden you know it's often the key word low maintenance but really no garden is low maintenance if I'm very honest with you they do need maintenance of some description there are perennials that i call cut a once a year type perennial which are really the lowest type maintenance uh, plants uh, ones that you've got to keep deadheading they're not going to be your low maintenance plants so people do want that outdoor space they want a bit of the inside outside but people are going quite high-end luxury they they used to want just a barbecue area now they want a whole fully fitted outdoor kitchen mm -hmm. they want pizza ovens they want an egg which will do pizzas for the kids as well as 
do a long slow roast um, they, they can do smoking on there as well then they want your typical grill and rotisserie and also a fridge and sinks even now we're getting asked to put in and then the upscale of that is that they want an, to the side of it they want an outdoor bar area high stall bars stalls etc and then the luxury end um, which I'm fortunate to be in that um, end of the market our clients want covered spaces where they can sit and enjoy the garden even if it's slightly cool or even a little bit showery mm -hmm. so they'll be having bioclimatic pergolas which we have bespoke made to our clients that when we ship them in from Italy and that means they're 100% waterproof but they are engineered in such a way they are seamless on their design uh, you can get cheaper products on the market but you'll see all the fittings so it's like a Rolls Royce and a Mini you know they'll do the same job but one's just got that more luxury detail about it. Mm. Turning back to Chelsea Flower Show because you first displayed there I think in 2012? Yes it was uh, 2012 we actually in fact designed the garden in 2002 uh, for Merrill Lynch who were the main sponsors um, we designed the main garden in 2002 and then we didn't get to build one I always kept turning down we were asked every other year or every year would we like to build a garden at Chelsea and I just thought well, what was the point really you know it's in London we're working in Chelmsford and happily doing well here um, and I was always too busy then the opportunity came up um, to do a garden it's called a dry garden um, and it was fitted with my principles about recycling and to what to do about the recycling ability of a garden and we've actually rehoused that one in a much larger situation at Capel Manor um, to be able to allow people with wheelchair access etc to move around the garden so that was a really nice one uh, all prefabricated quite challenging we prefabricated the whole thing in our yard and then we moved on to do uh, a gold medal winning garden the following year and when you say a dry garden, is that using plants that don't need a lot of water and looking at that kind of aspect of sustainability? Yes, it was. And also the stone that we used was from the Cotswolds and we built uh, an old stone hut there. We used an old stone well, a mill house. And we recyc used recycled guttering and slate to create the building within the garden. And then all the plants were very, very typically dry. They could only thrive in that dry aspect. Uh, so it was the ultimate low-maintenance garden. Excellent. That's, that's fascinating, isn't it? And you, you, you've gone on to do many more years at, at Chelsea. Is there, was it something to do with the pressure that you found difficult? In, you said you turned down opportunities to display at Chelsea before because you have to do it in such a time frame, set the garden up in such a tight time frame. It's not so much uh, that, it's just that you have to think about your own client base as well. Um, the beauty of Chelsea, a lot of people ask you, oh, you paid to do it. And I said, no, it's just a, it's a landscape job. We get paid to do the job. And um, it's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. If you take Chelsea 21, we actually d was involved in that since 2000, back into 2019. It went right through the pandemic period. And um, we were, I was working in that garden for the best part of about 20 months. Uh, all the planning and logistics that go in behind it so it's not just what you see in the four weeks that it takes to build it it actually takes an incredible amount of time to plan it correctly on the larger gardens which 
that garden was one of the largest show gardens at um, Chester Flower Show, so it's one of the main gardens. So they take an incredible amount of time, which people actually don't see that element of it. Um, the toing and throwing, everything logistically behind it. But I do want to have a break from Chelsea in 2023. I'm hoping to go back in 24. I'm in talks with some designers at the moment about building gardens then. Excellent. And with design ideas, where do you sort of, you know, million dollar question, where do you pick up ideas for those types of show gardens? Um, it's really what's, what's important at the time. It might be something that's been talked about um, in the news. Um, it might be something that's been talked about within the society um, blog. Um, there seems to be, for, just purely by coincidence, a lot of gardens are with similar plants. And it's almost like there's this inner circle of knowledge, but there isn't. It's just completely by fluke. But because as designers, everybody picks up on that vibe and therefore it sticks in your sort of subconsciousness and it ends up being in the garden. So it's really... Uh, the Chelsea will give you, a, the RHS, uh, give you a little bit of a brief where they might be trying to actually force the direction of the show. And so some gardens might like last year for instance it's or this year I should say sorry it's all about um, environment recycling biodiversity that type of thing and it's how you spin it from that um, but what's most important about Chelsea is that every garden and every plant it's not wasted sometimes we have people question what a waste of money it might be but you I would say it's never a waste of money because they're going to so many good causes such as this one here at Chelmsford Ambulance Headquarters. Um, they go to children's hospitals, hospices, uh, open gardens, and they just re-celebrate somebody else's opportunity to enjoy that garden. And it looks fantastic. It was really spectacular in the summer, but it's still keeping its colour right through into... We're right here in mid-autumn, and it's a little bit overcast today, isn't it? So, but there's still a lot of colour to enjoy in this garden. There is, and uh, one of my favourites, and it's the one that we actually got asked probably, if I say it's a billion times, I'm probably um, underestimating how many times we were actually asked, what is that plant? It's called Thalitricum Bolsmo. Um, it's that lovely fluffy cloud of wispy purple flowers that you can see there just over there in the background, mm -hmm. and it's planted in a drift going right the way through the end of the garden there. Is, it, is this double Hewitt's? That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Oh. Um, so it's really, really beautiful to see it. Um, it just stands out on its own like a little floating cloud of lovely colour. And um, yeah, Hewitt's Double was certainly the one. And the Hydrangea, Pinky Winky and Skyfall, um, the, they were the three most asked plants at the garden. <laughs> so do you get ideas? Do you travel abroad and look at gardens in Japan and in Russia and places? To, to pick up ideas for something like this? Yes, I take inspiration myself from all over the world and not just in the planting um, and the old greats like Pete Aldolf where he does his block planting, etc. But I just take inspiration from public open spaces or if I go to one of my most favourite gardens in the whole of the UK is the old vicarage at East Ruston. Um, I love that garden. You can see the... The variation in it there's always something happening whether you go in january july or december uh, i've gone on multiple walks there with um, the owner and 
and I, th I just think it's a lovely garden. It's got so much going on about it. And also you can see the love that goes into creation of that garden by the two guys who own it. It's fantastic. Um, and then when it comes to landscape detail, like hard landscaping, I will look at architecture, not just uh, the typical built environment. And I'll take a, an element of a piece of design that might be the corner of a building and then see how that can be changed into a piece of detail within the garden itself. Well, thank you very much for your time, Sean, and it's a wonderful gift to the East of England Ambulance Service, so thank you so much for what you've done in terms of donating this garden to Chomsford Ambulance Station, and we wish you all the success in the future. Thanks very much, it's been a pleasure, and thank you for inviting me.